continue our series on grace. How many have enjoyed this series so far? It's been amazing. I was just thinking of some of the stuff that God has really spoken to me and done in my heart the last couple weeks. Just the freedom that takes place when we understand the scriptures the right way, right? Um, one of the things that was standing out to me about last week was um, this thought that if we believe all the wrath was put on Jesus, what that leads us to. And um, is there effects on this? Can you take that off? Um, what that leads us to, what kind of stronghold that, that puts us in. And and um, just some of the stuff that, that uh, Pastor Zach has been saying the last couple of weeks has been just amazing. Um, we're not sinners saved by grace. We're saints transformed by grace. Amen. That was one of the, the things that stuck out to me couple, uh, last couple of weeks too. Just the freedom that happens in my life when I understand the grace of God. So, um, we had some stuff we wanted to talk about this morning. Um, it kind of went along with our women's aglow yesterday, which ladies, if you're not coming, it is unbelievable what God does on our first Saturdays. Unbelievable. I mean, I wept more yesterday. God did so much in my heart. I think I cried at the altar for like an hour. Um, so if I have stuff I need to cry about and I am amazing, you have stuff you need to cry about. Wow. So let's just stretch our hands forward to Rochelle right now and bless her because of grace, the pride right out of her. I can say I'm amazing. That's right. That's right. Um, Amazing grace has made me amazing. Yeah. But, um, but God has been just, um, Blaris says God puts first Saturday on his calendar because God shows up seriously. It's amazing. So make sure ladies, if you're not coming first Saturday, you come, but, uh, Zach brought just an amazing word yesterday and we really wanted to just kind of break that up and talk about that today and just really share what this, what this looks like. So I'm going to have, um, pastor Alex read, um, John four, if you could turn and follow in with your Bible verses three through 26. Everybody got your Bibles there. All right. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. 
But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you, weren't, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that, worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. This is one of my very favorite stories in the Bible, and I have heard so many sermons on this scripture. How many of you guys have heard? I mean, I know I've preached on it many times and, um, and I just so appreciate the, um, the new life that, uh, honey, that you brought to it yesterday, just, um, just such a new revelation to the same scripture, but I love it because it's just so visual of the love of Jesus. And, um, and I love stories in the Bible because Jesus loved women. And, um, for so many years, women have been second class citizens. And then we tried to come up at it the wrong way when we needed Jesus revolution of the love of God for women. So I love, I love this scripture because Jesus looked at one woman who was what the kind of woman that she, we've all, all been taught that she was, but, um, he stopped for her. And I just love that that that's a demonstration of the love of Jesus. But honey, maybe talk for a second, um, just about like what God really showed you what this verse means. Uh, you know, first of all, I've always looked at John chapter four as Jesus, the new Testament prophet, um, walking in, in the new as a prophet in the old Testament. I mean, many of us have been taught this woman was, she could have been a, a, a prostitute, you know, and obviously it appears as though she seems like she could be an adulteress. You know, she had five husbands and the one she's with now, she's not married to. And I think the way that we look at it, if we don't look at it culturally, anytime we study the scripture, we have to study who, where, when, and we have to really get in the context of it. And so I've always looked at John four as such an amazing story, but I found out, you know, I felt like the Lord was meditating on this and Rochelle asked me to share for the ladies. And I was so honored. You know, I love, I love, I feel like that our house has uh, just a mark to minister to broken women. 
and uh, and we're going to see hundreds and thousands of abused, broken women and men receive, you know, healing and freedom. But I look at this now as a beautiful love story. Um, I look at it like, I, I, I said it yesterday, but I look at it like the Cinderella love story where, you know, that Cinderella was overlooked. Uh, she wasn't chosen and she was stuck working when, uh, instead of being blessed, you know, and, um, it's a story of law versus grace too. And I think it's so befitting for our, our series. Now you men might think, well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, you're the bride of Christ. So put that shoe on right there. Um, but you, you, uh, you also can really glean from this because really it just shows, um, Jesus's heart for the rejected, the broken, the lonely, and those that have been abused. And it's, it's a beautiful story and we'll get a little bit more into it. You said something that's interesting. Um, you said, I always was heard every message was that she was a prostitute or she was an adulteress. And you said, maybe that's not the case if you study it culturally. Um, how many of you guys have ever, when you read John four, she's an adulteress. She was married several, several times. And then she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Right. So we kind of look at her that way. Um, Share what you what you're what you're saying. You don't think maybe she wasn't an adulteress? Yeah, I really want to challenge that thinking because first of all, um, I mean culturally, it it really is not feasible for her to be an adulteress because she would have been put to death one time, let alone five. And you'd say, well, that doesn't make sense. She had five husbands. In in the New Test or in in this era, um, a husband could divorce his wife for almost any reason. He could find a fault with her, you know, um, and, and say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to be married to you anymore. That's, that was the culture. Literally, a certificate of divorce could be given. And it says, Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and, and it says, because of the hardness of their hearts. And so, because of the hardness of their heart, they, they didn't think it was a big deal. Although God hates divorce, they would literally just get a divorce for any reason. Um, and, and so that has happened. And I think, I think, I feel like God showed me a glimpse of this and it started by reading, you know, Jesus is, is saying, give me a drink. And then she immediately says, how are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Now it wasn't so much just having a conversation, let alone he's a rabbi and rabbis don't really talk to women like this. Um, you know, but it's interesting because Jews, it says don't have any dealings with Samaritans. What he's really saying is well, they don't eat and drink with them because that's an intimate act. That's an interchange. So Jesus initially was calling her into intimacy. Now, this is a woman that if she was an adulteress, Jesus is saying, give me a drink. It was a plea for intimacy. It was more than just saying, hey, can you hand me a cup of water? Um, and, you know, those of you that watched the video blog, when we talked about like eating with people, like, you know, we feed a homeless guy and it's like, well, he's hungry. We feed him. But Jesus ate with sinners. He ate with the rejected, the oppressed. He ate with them. Now to us, that means, well, that's great. We love sharing meals, but in the Hebrew culture, it was an intimate thing. It was like, I'm coming and I'm sharing my life with you. And I want to come and I want to impart grace to you. And I want to lift the burdens off of you. And I want to know your heart. I want to know what, I want all the defenses to come down. The walls are coming down. I, I want intimacy. We know that in the New Testament, Jesus said in, John, or in, uh, in, in the book of Revelation, he says, I'm standing at the door knocking. 
if you hear my voice, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. That is the call to intimacy to the believer. And I think it starts with that. And so I began to research a little bit more. And I'm like, I feel like the Lord showed me this woman's heart. And I don't, I think she's been frowned upon for many years. And I think there's other actual theologians that, that do view um, something similar to this. But I began to research it more and study it in context. And I felt like, here's what I felt like. I was reading it. I'm like, you know, culturally, if she had committed adultery, she would have been put to death. So why did she have five husbands? Maybe. And here's my thought. And, and I feel really strongly about this. Maybe she was rejected over and over and over and over again. And then when she said, I have no husband, she wasn't lying. And Jesus wasn't trapping her. He was saying, you're right. The one you're with now, you're, you, you're contracted to, you're engaged to, but he hasn't taken you home yet. He hasn't chosen you yet. And I think it's a picture of this massive wound of rejection from a Samaritan woman who was really, here's, here's what I want to, I think about it. You know, Samaritans were, you know, uh, basically a mixed race and they were part Jewish and Jew, the Jew was the, the Hebrew, the God's chosen. So I look at it as a type of their, they felt half chosen. Even the way they worship and Jesus, you know, says, you don't even know who you worship because you can't worship without knowing who you worship because worship is intimacy. And, and so I looked at it and I'm like, wow, God, I felt like he gave me a glimpse of this woman's heart. And, and I feel like that she was just overlooked over and over again. And here's another reason why, let me share the, in, in, uh, in the scripture, Genesis 24, 11, um, and, and another part of the old Testament, I believe in numbers, one of the duties of young women, one of the jobs as an employment was to go to the well and get water. And what would happen is these ladies would go to the well and they'd get water. And this is how they would find a husband. And so she kept going back to this place of trying to fit under someone's gaze for acceptance and love. And over and over and over again, she was rejected. And then Jesus comes along and changes her whole paradigm. That totally changes my outlook of the whole entire scripture. Because he didn't come to tell her what she was doing wrong. He came to choose her at a well. I mean, it's unbelievable. I just, I can't, I, you know, it's hard to say without bringing tears to my eyes because, you know, you can more identify with a woman that's been rejected over and over and over again, whether you're a man or a woman, more than you can identify with somebody that's an adulteress or a prostitute. I know for me personally, you know, when you, um, when you go through life and you've been wounded and rejected and pushed away and overlooked time after time after time, and you go to that place looking for acceptance, always, we always find ourselves going to the same place over and over again. And Jesus meets us there and says, you don't have to come here anymore. I mean, what a, what a beautiful picture of this scripture. Um, it makes me think about what you quoted Bill Johnson this morning on your Facebook. And, um, and it's a, a new paradigm of looking and interpreting what God's word says. Do you have that quote? I don't remember it offhand, but I think it was, I could look on Facebook. 
I'm sure somebody in here is on Facebook right now, but we won't prophetically call them out because we're not like that. But uh, stand by. That's for Pastor Shane. He always says that. Stand by. It's a great tragedy when the Bible is interpreted by those who are not in love. You heard sermons when people aren't in love with Jesus and they interpret scripture through a paradigm that doesn't come from a love relationship. Isn't that amazing? It's just, and, and that's, that's how we know we have an amazing pastor who's in love with the father, right? Because he comes with this word that just brings freedom. You're so sweet. Just so. freedom. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a question because I see, I see this picture of this girl um, that had really had an orphan heart. And just massive wounds of rejection, which men and women both deal with, whether it's a father wound or a mother wound or both, or just rejection. It could be rejection in relationships. But think about the orphan heart. And this woman kept going to this place trying to get chosen. And maybe she was a little promiscuous. We don't know. Actually, culturally, you could probably tell she was a Samaritan by the way she dressed versus being a Jew. They were different. So maybe she dressed a little different. But talk about, I want to ask you, you didn't, you didn't plan on this, but um, it, it, like approbate lust and, and just that wound and that gap within us, not just as a woman, but as a guy that we're looking for attention. We're looking for someone's gaze. We're looking and really, really like, it's like that's that story of that one girl. I don't know if you want to share that or not, but I think really what she just needed was daddy's smile. And Jesus came and he chose her to be the one to reveal himself to out of everyone in out of all the Samaritans. Jesus chose this woman who could have been promiscuous. She could have been a prostitute. I don't know. I'm challenging that. I don't believe that. I really believe that she was just overlooked, but she chose, he chose her out of all the Samaritans. Why not some priest? that was really devout and really wanted to know the God of Israel. And, and you know, some guy who was on Mount Jerusalem who worshiped in their, in their temple, which really was a mixture of idols and, and a lot of other things. But maybe there's some that were really seeking after the Lord, but God chose a woman. And culturally, that's not a common thing. Today, it's different. You know, women, God uses women and we embrace it. And, and then there's the feminist thing that's it's in the Jezebel, you know, the, the counterfeit to that because women are called to be undercovering and, and it's so such a blessing. I love what you said too. You said one time I heard you say that we never needed a feminist movement. We just needed a Jesus movement. Um, but maybe you can unpack a little bit about that. Like just the heart of what is that approbate less, you know, teenage girls many times will do that. They just want attention and they're looking for love in all the wrong places. You see it. Um, you, you see it all over society. You see um, young girls and, and they'll dress not appropriately. And all they're looking for is somebody's gaze. They walk in. You can tell sometimes when a young girl is, and I see a different heart now. Um, I've, you know, 10 years ago, I would have judged her. But you see a girl walk in a room and she's trying to get the attention of everybody in the room. She's just trying to fill a hole deep inside of her. I remember um, we were at the bookstore 
um, a couple years ago and I was with some of my daughters. They're not, I don't see any of them in here. Um, and we're just talking about, we're talking about the whole of daddy's love. That's what we're talking about. And I look up and I see this book in the bookstore and the name of the book is the last American slut. And it grabbed my eyes because it's black and pink. And I don't know what drew me to this book, but I, I just, I had to pick it up. And I know it was the Holy spirit saying, just open up this book. And it was about this young girl raised in the middle East without a father, with a mother that was rebellious and fighting and fighting against society. And as a little girl, she says, all I wanted was my daddy's love. And her life took this role of just looking for love in literally every wrong place she could find. She went from um, band groupie to different band to different group to all over the world, just literally giving pieces and chunks of her body at a time. And I flipped to the end of the book and I read this line and she said, the whole time I just wanted my dad's love. And I'm sitting with um, a couple of the girls and one of them looks at me and says, well, is she a Christian? And I said, no, there's no hope at the end of this story. And she's like, but I don't understand how she knows that that's what she needed. I said, cause we all know what we really need. And we walk around with this hole in our heart and we could have the best father and the best mother, but there's, there is a, a rejection and an orphan spirit without the father's love that no matter what we're going to be looking for, to fill that hole, to fill that void, to fill that emptiness. And, um, so I challenge us as believers, as Christians, when we're going through our day, when we're going through our life and we have the, the chance to judge somebody because of the way they look and the way that they act, let's look past that and see a hole in the heart of young women and young men that are just longing for the love of a father, longing for the love of a mother. It took me a long time to see past that, that spirit of approbation on young girls because my heart is so, um, is so driven to just love them, love it all out of them. But it took a long time for me to look past that and just see that broken heart. Just see a young girl that no matter what she dresses like and what she acts like, she's just looking for the love and the smile of the father. And, um, and if we come with judgment and criticism and we try to change them from the outside, it's just going to cause more rejection in their heart. Cause I'm just pushing them away. Like everybody else has, instead of bringing them close and loving them close to my heart and loving all the rejection out of them. Amen. I love, I mean, it's so important that we teach people that they don't need to look for gazes. They don't need to look for attention, you know, from young men or young women and, and, and both men and women can deal with that. Um, but I, it's such a beautiful picture here of Jesus telling her, I, I love the verse that says, if you knew the gift of God, you know, we've been talking about grace and I think that it's important that we know what grace is. And we, if we knew the gift of God, if we knew the grace of God and he, he tells us this, uh, this lady, if you knew, then you would ask me for living water. And then she begins to make excuses. And I, I see it as a picture of us saying, well, 
you know, you don't, the well's deep, which literally it was a deep well. If you research it historically, it was a very deep well and not the common, you know, water pot that one would take would actually reach down deep enough. I think it's a picture of works. How we're always trying to, we're trying to reach down deep to get acceptance. We're trying to reach down deep to get, uh, you know, love. We're trying to reach down deep to, he, to, to stop this feeling that we have of feeling rejected by dad or rejected by mom or, and, and we're constantly trying to fill this hole and it's not possible. And she keeps coming back to the same well. And, and, uh, and then, and then she says, are you greater than our father, Jacob? She's living in the past. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Jacob made an altar, you know, about God is strong. And, and so sometimes we, we, we reach in the past to have strength in. It won't work. We have to walk in the new. And it's such a picture of law and grace. Reaching down this well. And Jesus says, no, it's not going to be like a well that you've got to work to get refreshing from. But it'll be a spring of life. It'll be like that waterfall that we've been talking about. Just living under the abundance of his grace. The abundance of his grace. And then there's no room for rejection and there's no room for hurts. And I don't have to go here or there to, to satisfy this thing in me that only the love of Jesus can fill. Now, one of the things I want to say is ladies that have been hurt by men, Jesus loved women. He was God in the flesh, but he was also 100% man. He was 100% deity and 100% man. Jesus, the man, loved the Samaritan woman. Men are capable of love. God has given us his love. I mean, isn't that freeing to know? I mean, many, uh, you know, can struggle ever loving again because they've been hurt over and over and over. And Jesus comes and says, if you understood the gift of God and the person that's talking to you right now, because grace is a person. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Faith is a person. Grace is a person. Love is a person. His name is Jesus. Truth is a person. Jesus didn't say, you know, I, I, I am. He says, I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. He is truth. Now, he also then begins to talk about worship, which is intimacy. And, and also, it's nothing hidden, you know. And he says, it's not going to be in Jerusalem. It's not going to be on this mountain, Mount Jerusalem. It's going to be on Mount Zion is really what he's saying. But I think that when he says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's a picture of grace because it says that in the beginning of this book in the gospel of John, that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And what does the Bible say? The letter kills, the spirit gives life. When we come to the well, we're still living under the letter. I got to dig deep and find acceptance. I got to dig deep and someone will love me. Maybe she's, maybe this time a husband will choose me. I've been forsaken and looked over five times. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I can't live up to this. And so we continue to live. That's, that's the law. That's living under some standard. We can't do it. Paul said it in Romans 7. I, if I live under this reality, that which I want to do, I can't do. And you know, you know the scripture. And he's not quoting what we should be struggling with. Hear me. He's quoting what, if we live under the law, that's what we will struggle with. And then he says in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But I love this verse 24 because he's saying those who worship in spirit and in truth, it's in spirit. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. It's those who worship under grace and truth of who I am. And now maybe we can talk about the the culmination of what happened, you know, Um, but it's a picture of grace. 
versus law. It's a picture of Jesus, this prince, riding on a white horse coming and rescuing this little girl. It's every little girl's dream. And and we're the bride of Christ, saints, and we have this loving bridegroom that says, I want to choose the rejected. I want to choose the one that no one else will choose. I mean, what a picture. Let it change the paradigm of how we see people and also our passion for the lost because what is our vision? It's his vision. What was Jesus' vision? He didn't have one. He saw whatever the father saw. What's the vision of your church? I want to see with his eyes. We were at a place recently and we're talking about one of the employees of this place and just observing. And, and, you know, the first glance you would look at this, she's a drug addict and, and, you know, she's, she's promiscuous. And we began to talk and it was like, she's the woman, she's this lady here. She's, she's broken. She's just, she just needs a dad. She needs to be taught not to dress that way, but she needs, she needs to be loved. But what a picture of grace that the whole Samaritan group of people, this half chosen, not worshiping who they, not, not knowing who they worship, you know, Jesus chooses a woman that was overlooked over and over and over. And even the one she was with, maybe she was engaged and contracted to, that's the language of the Greek. So there's a, an, an, old, an older bishop that translated it that way, that the one that you're with, you're only proposed to, or you're only engaged to. That's how he translated it in the Greek. That one, he hasn't even fully chosen her yet. And she's probably thinking six times. But you know what? Seven's a number of completion. Jesus comes along. He says, you're mine. So good. I think about how you're saying how she... Uh we build monuments in our past. We, we build these things and she even went to the same place and she takes her same pot and she expects something different to come out of it. It's like the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. My mom was saying that she's, she got yesterday. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting something different. That's this woman. She goes to the same well meets the same guy, kind of guy, who rejects her over and over and over, expecting something different. Well, somebody is different. There is somebody that's ready to say, no, I will receive you. I will accept you. I have love for you. I have grace for you. I have freedom for you. Drink of my well. Drink of my water, and you'll never thirst again. You don't have to come here again. You don't have to bring your pot back here. You don't have to go to the same place and expect something different. You don't have to dig deep anymore. All you need to do is drink of the river of me, and you'll live abundantly. It's the love of Jesus almost sound like a spoken word. You start rapping up here. Come on, somebody. Why don't you um, close us out with just the, the culmination of her never having to take the, the pot back to the place. Because I think even in the scripture, it says how she left it there and went home. So why don't you close us out with that? She was so excited about being chosen and accepted for the first time that she forgot about her past. She forgot about the whole reason that she came to the well over and over again. It says she left, she ran, she left her water pot 
and ran back to tell her city about this man who knew everything about her. And what a picture of us leaving rejection behind. And, and this morning, we want to open the altars up in just a moment. And uh, I can just sense such a sweet presence of the Lord. All worship, singing about his love, just singing about the goodness and the love of God. Jesus said this in John. He said, as the Father loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. And I think it's huge because we always think like, you know, well, you know, God may frown upon me because I did this or I did that. Jesus says, as the Father loved me, Jesus was sinless. And when you receive Jesus and his blood washes over you, you become whole, complete, perfect. He said, it is finished. It is teleos. You become complete in him. You are complete in him. Colossians 2. He's pouring out his, the blood of Jesus over us, continually cleansing us. He dealt with sin once and for all. So when Jesus, when the Father looks at you, he looks at you just like Jesus, sinless. I mean, that's so powerful. And then Jesus said, abide in that love. Abide in that acceptance. Let me love you. It's one thing to, you know, to, to, to know that I'm beloved. It's another to just learn to be loved. Just be loved. I remember Milo sharing that a long time ago. Well, here's what beloved is. It's be loved. And I'm like, I hear I'm beloved. I hear God loves me. I hear, but it's another to just let him love me and rest in this place that I, the father is completely pleased with me. How many young men never hear dad say, I'm proud of you, son. I say it to my boys all the time and I mean it with all my heart. I look at their faces and they're just amazing. Young, young little boys. Oh, daddy's so proud of you. I tell my daughters, he's so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. But here's the culmination of this. She left her water pot behind and it just completely, completely was a witness and a testimony to the whole city. And later on, we see that, that they say, you know, well, you know, we kind of believed you. It says they believed, but then it says now we believe because of him. Because it's hard. You preached on it one time that it sometimes can come in a different package and uh, it's hard to receive, you know, from people. But man, what a picture of Cinderella and this this man having the, the slipper, Jesus, the man, the Christ, the Messiah, having the slipper that fits her shoe. And it was acceptance, love, and she was free from rejection. And, and the Lord wants to set everyone in this room free from that spirit of rejection. And everyone here in one way or another has been rejected. But let's break that thing that keeps us coming to this well this proverbial well of law. And let's live under this wellspring of grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus. We worship God in spirit and in truth. If you knew the gift of God, if you understood how much he just wants to pour out on you. So maybe we could pray for those that are here. Would you just close your eyes, saints? And and um, I, I just want to, I want to just open up the altars right now. And, and I want you to just come and just kneel before the Lord and let him just pour grace on you and let him break the spirit of rejection over you. 
Anyone that just feels like that thing has just weighed them down. I think it's the root of so much of our stuff. It's fear, fear of abandonment. We've never found love in the arms of a mom or a dad. And even if we have, there's still a hole that Jesus is going to pour into that right now. He's going to change your paradigm. He looks at you like you are perfect. And as if you've never sinned, being washed under his blood. So we want to open the altars. Those, those of you that are just sitting, I just pray. And those of you that want to respond, just come. And we want to embrace you. We want to pray over you as the song plays. Amen. You can turn those lights down a little too if you'd like. So I come. proud of you. You're beloved. You're accepted. Daddy's so proud of you. I release the love of the Father. And I command the spirit of rejection to come off of every heart and every life now. In the name of Jesus. You're beloved. You're accepted. You're His. You belong to Him. That's it. That's it. We receive your love, God. We break the spirit of rejection. Right now. I know there's many more. And we're just going to take a little time. Just come. We want to just, we want to just 
prophesy wholeness over you. You've been overlooked. No more. His gaze is on you. And make, just take a step. Let it be a prophetic act of leaving your water pot behind. Coming up here to sit at his feet like Mary. No longer living in a fear of failure like Martha trying to, I've got to serve, I've got to serve, I've got to serve. No, I have access. I can sit at his table now. He's calling me into intimacy. Break the spirit of rejection now in the name of Jesus. Saints, begin to pray right now. He loves you so much. You have no idea how much he loves you. Your daddy's princess. Your daddy's princess. Your daddy's princess. I'm so forgetful. I bless you. But you always remind me. Say it. Speak it over them. Come on, if you believe it, then it'll come out of your mouth. Say, you're beloved. Put your hand on the person next to you. Say, you're beloved. You're accepted. You're his son. You're his daughter. Come on, just pray over them. Pray in the spirit. Just begin to prophesy over them. We break the spirit of rejection now in the name of Jesus. No more. The tormentors that, that have tried to come and continue to oppress, you're not... You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. You're not worth it. He chooses you. And his eyes are on you. And his smile is over you. This was the Arianic blessing. This this is the culmination of the, the priest saying, The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance over you. So, Daddy, let every one of your children just see you smiling over them. You're smiling over this church. You're smiling over every marriage, over every family. You're smiling over Henderson. You're smiling over Las Vegas, known as Sin City. You smile over it because you love the broken and the rejected. And we just like, we're sunbathing. We receive the warmth of your smile, your grace. The sun, as the sun warms your body, so grace fills you with his love. And you receive it by faith. The way the sun just absorbs in your skin is by faith. Just receive by faith. Now, you're beloved. You're accepted. Live under the outpouring. Stop going to the well. In Jesus' name. I want to dismiss those that are sitting, those that are up at the altar. Take your time. What a wonderful, wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. So would you lift your hands with me and I just speak blessings over you right now. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing at the Encounter Community Church. I just speak a blessing over you and your family, your children, 
Those of you that have kids, I bless you. This holiday season, I pray it would be one of the most blessed holiday seasons, the most blessed time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So we thank you for it. We receive your blessing in Jesus' name.